Well, good morning. So last week we kind of left uh, things hanging, right? We didn't quite uh, resolve uh, the conversation and the direction. And uh, I think it left a lot of us with kind of a wrestling point, something to chew on. We got, I got um, messages throughout the week on text and Facebook and just like, wow, that, 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 that ending. Man, I, I'm still thinking about it. I just, there's more to this life. What am I going to do? How are we going to respond? Can't wait for next week. And so I'm glad that you're here and uh, glad that you've made it a priority to be a part of things today. If you've got your Bibles, let me encourage you to go ahead and just open up to the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3. That's where we're going to find ourselves today. You ever feel like time is just uh, slipping away from you? feel like it's like holding water. It just kind of goes through your hands. I mean, there are times in life that uh, it seems like uh, we can just bask in a moment. And then there are times in life where it just seems like we can't even grab a moment, right? Things continue to move, continue to, 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 to just continue on with us. Times that fly by and times that stand still. And sometimes, if we were to admit it, the times that seem to never pass are the ones that we can't stand, Right? And the ones we greatly enjoy, we just can't keep our hands around. Like, like, let me just say, I don't know what your experience has been, but let me just say this. Maybe you've been to a local DMV, right? Can I show you a video of a DMV this morning? Maybe you've been to the DMV and you've had a, a, an experience like what's going to be on the screens in just a moment. Now, I know the people who work at the DMV in the state of Illinois are gracious, good, and godly people. But let me show you. Here's a, here's a video real quick, I think. Wow, is time standing still right now? Okay, do we have it? There we get it. Now this is not a local DMV. You'll notice by uh, some of the shrubbery, some of the landscape. This happens to be a DMV that is in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now this video, if you were to watch it in its entirety, is a minute and five, a minute and a half long, okay? So 90 seconds long, over 300 people are standing in this line at the DMV. And it's before 8 o'clock in the morning. These are the people who signed up for 10 consecutive years of counseling, right? You know, because they just got done with the DMV. I mean, this is the kind of thing that ruins your life. And thank goodness it's not that bad here in central Illinois, is it? But can you imagine standing in that moment, standing in that line, seeing all the people in front of you? And I know many of you are more spiritual than I am, but I would probably, I'd probably have to bite my tongue. Uh, I'd probably uh, a citizen arrest everybody that tried to cut in front of me. And if I had to, I'd throw down to make sure I didn't lose my spot. Can I get an amen? Yeah, well, all right. Yeah, okay. We can all, we can all grow spiritually together. Now, we'll, we'll move away from that video, but let's, let me just say this. There are things in life... Things in life uh, that kind of stand still and some things that move on. Uh, on one hand, it seems like um, life is fleeting. And then there are other times that it seems like life is just one big celebration. What's, what's the quote? The days go slow, but the years go fast. I mean, if you're a parent, you know that, Right? If you've had one kid on every hip and the day just won't get done, right? And you're just like, I just want to get to tomorrow. And then you turn around and they're driving. How's that happen? Time can be so deceiving. Time is fleeting for sure. And if you're not prepared to handle it, if you're not prepared to leverage it, you'll lose it. And time is often seen more as, best seen as a, a commodity. Most people see it as time is something to be spent, 
When the reality is time is something to be invested. Meaning you can spend it just like your money and when you're done, you can say, I don't have any more. Or you can begin to prioritize it, begin to invest it and watch the value begin to grow upon itself. So how do you leverage your time? What if we looked at our lives as an investment, a gift from God, a, a, a gift to be leveraged back for God's glory? Here's what we're really going to kind of unpack today. And this is just the overall thought. So if you've got your notes, you want to flip on the back of your program, just write these down. Here's the big idea. Time is fleeting, but God is eternal. So let's make the most of it, right? Time is fleeting, but God is eternal. So let's make the most of it. Now, when we think about that for a moment, and there's there's the reality that time is a mystery. In this moment, we are experiencing the past, present, and future time all at once. It's a constant flow, but we are all influenced by time on some level or another. And it's not something we can really control, but here's where we need to start today. We don't control time, but we can decide how to leverage it, right? Now, some of you are going, man, I'm so glad my 16-year-old's here. I hope they listen to this message loud and clear. Truth of the matter is, people, we all struggle with this, right? We all look at our days and our weeks, and sometimes they're not leveraged to the way that we want. So let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. And these, these words may sound familiar to you, but here's what it says, starting in verse 1. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. Right? That was a phrase we talked about last week. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, uh, yeah, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. A time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate. A time for war, and a time for peace. You know, if somebody was smart, they'd make that into a song, right? So let's talk about seasons for a second. Because time often, when it's not simply cap captured in days or weeks or months or years, they're thought of in, in seasons. The time our kid played this sport or that sport or the time we were going through when they had braces or when you begin to think about life and, well, that was the time when my aunt went through and that was the time so and so. And we think about these seasons that are marked by what's happened in our lives. And if we're honest... We really love some seasons more than others. And there are some seasons that even the conversation towards them brings great pain. The nice thing to know is that every season passes. And so if you're in a great season right now, embrace it, enjoy it. And if you're in a tough season, hold on right now. So let me just encourage you to grab your program. And let me just, let me just make, have you make a line all the way across on your notes, if you will, for a moment. Make it into a T, and here's what I want you to put on it, Okay. I want you to put uh, to the top left, I want you to just put this contrasting seasons, okay? Because here's what, here's what the author is trying to do. 
he is trying to lay out the seasons that happen in our life. And maybe, maybe there's a word up there that's not there that describes your life, your season. And so maybe you want to put that down. And then what's, what's the opposite of it? And the, what the writer is trying to encapsulate is we all have these seasons and they almost always have a, a reactive or an opposite season. Maybe some of us would say they're good seasons or bad seasons. And here's what I want you to know. Good seasons or bad seasons, they are both opportunities to leverage our lives back to God. In the Christian life, there is no off-season. Every moment, every situation, every relationship, everything is an opportunity to leverage our lives back to God. And so we must be mindful whether we are in a great season where we're loving life ecstatically or whether we're stuck in one of the most controversial, confrontating, painful seasons of our life. It's an opportunity for us to leverage our lives back to God. That's really an act of worship, an act of trust and gratitude and faithfulness. Back to God. And when we talk about seasons of life, there are often two types of seasons that you can summarize in a lot of different ways. The first season is this. It's a season that happens to us, right? A season that happens to us. Now, we, we don't necessarily control that. It's not by any of our merits or any of our mistakes. But things that happen to us impact us deeply. Now, this can be a, a random gift that somebody gives to you out of the blue just, just because. It can also look like the pink slip that comes from your company because they have to downsize. Another season will be the season that, though, though happens because of me. Right? And these are the seasons that happen because of your good choices, your intentionality, or your bad choices, or the relationships that you're a part of. This can show up by the, the promotion that maybe you get at work because you put in more time, you excelled at what you did, you prioritized what you need. Or it can show up as the, the flashing lights behind you, the DUI that was given to you. And it can echo into days and weeks and seasons beyond what we would ever intend. What if, we began to, uh, what if we began to focus on these seasons of our life? What if we began to, to look even beyond them and we started to, to determine how can we truly leverage this back to God? What we fail to remember sometimes is that our lives, when leveraged back to God, they are our daily act of worship. That's how we're surrendering our lives to God. That's how we're being faithful to God. That's how we're being obedient to God. And so no matter the, the season that we're in, when we embrace it, when we engage it, when we express our values through the relationships that we begin to encourage, we begin to find that life can have greater meaning and purpose. I like what the message, a paraphrase of the Bible has to say out of Romans chapter 12. And I, I'm not going to put it on the screens because I just want it to wash over you. I, maybe you want to close your eyes for a moment, but I just need you to listen to this. Because Romans chapter 12 begins to describe a lifestyle that's leveraged back to God in, in a paraphrase form. And here's what it says. So here's what I want you to do. With God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, and going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. 
Don't become so well-adjusted to our culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize that God wants what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down into its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. The point isn't specifically that all these things are either good or either bad. The teacher is not lacking some sort of moral compass and just throwing these things against a wall. He's talking about how we adjust and embrace the things that happen in our lives. We all have influence. We all have influence to the things that we can control, but there's so much in our lives that we cannot control. We can't predict when the good or the bad is going to naturally happen in our lives. I mean, for instance, think about this. Who of us, who of us could have predicted the terrible events that happened on September 11th? Have you ever heard someone say they never saw it coming? Maybe when they met their loved one? Who can predict the the surprising joy we feel on the perfect spring day? Who can even predict the surprising seasons where we're overwhelmed with the responsibility of life? All these seasons come into our lives and and we can either look at them as something that God has given us or we can look at something that God has pressed on us. That somehow it's it's not a gift. (laughs) It's a curse. The truth of the matter is, if we were to really look at time itself, we would have to say this phrase. Time is a gift from God. It is. And every moment that we have, every situation that we experience, every relationship that we embrace is a gift to God that we will either leverage for God's glory or honor or spend in the temporary moments of our lives. And as Christ followers, we need a grander perspective. We need to see beyond the here and the now and the moment and look to the impact of eternity that we can have because of the gift of life that God has given us. I like what Romans 8.28 says this. Romans 8.20 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now this is not to say out of this verse that God has done something terrible to you so that you could love your life differently. Nor is it saying that God has intentionally done something good to you to make you want to leverage your life back to him. What this verse says is this. For those of you who love God, we recognize that God can and God will work through every season and every circumstance of our lives. No matter the season, we believe God is at work. So your marriage, that is more of a facade than family, God can work there. Your memory of your childhood that you wish you had never had happen to you, God can work in in that. Your business being leveraged or purchased for your benefit or not, 
God can leverage that, can work in that. Your grandchildren that put a huge smile on your face. God is at work in them. We know that to be true because we believe in a God who gave him himself. We understand that on a very dark day when everything was at its best, God gave himself. It was the best time, the best moment, and God leveraged Jesus into this world. He died on a cross for our death. Our God was crucified, and he worked in that. He bore our sin. Jesus took our wrath of God on himself. And in life's darkest hour, God worked through all of eternity, securing salvation for all who would believe. Can we say it? We can't say it enough. No matter the season, God is always at work. Do you believe that? Because I believe your perspective about the moments you're in or the moments that are coming or the moments that you've experienced, if we just simply keep our eyes focused on the now, the temporary, we miss the grand picture, the grand plan of what God has been doing for generations, working and redeeming and transforming people's lives for his glory, for his honor. The point the teacher is trying to make is that there, there is a time for everything. But it's hard to see the seasons coming. So what do we do with it? He has more to say. Read this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 9. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden that God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity into the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Isn't that intriguing? That God has somehow set a longing, a belonging that is even beyond the temporary of today, that we know we're created for more. God has created us with a desire for more than just life right now. God created in us a desire for eternity, and we long for our creator. We long to know we are created for a purpose, a mission. We long to know that, that, that the work that we do whether it's cleaning toilets or laying asphalt or cooking for the queen or leading today's worship service in some way, that we know that what we do and who we are matters because of the significance that God has placed in each and every one of us. So why the struggle? Why is life so hard? Because of sin. Sin that so easily entangles our lives. It separates us from God. It, it, makes, it makes it difficult. It presses against our longing and our heart to be like God, to live the created purpose that he's given to each and every one of us. But there's good news. God is at work. And yes, we believe that God is working to restore all of creation. And he is doing this. God is doing that work in us. So look what it says in verse 14, 12 through 14. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them uh, may eat and they may drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is a gift of God. 
I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear or respect him, honor him. The writer of Ecclesiastes is, is trying to help us gain perspective. That whatever we're enduring or embracing today, that we would step back and we would look to all that God might be doing him. <laughs> that we might bend our knee of rebellion into a posture of humility before God. That we would, that we would uh, hold back the personal confidence that we have of our own glory and our own credit to realize that all that we have and all that we are is from God. God wants us to, to pull our head up to look around us and to see all that God is doing in our midst, in our homes, in our work, even in our church. And God gives us the gift of enjoyment of life. And God desires that we have great satisfaction in the world that we're a part of, but it is only temporary. There is so much more to what this life is about than the stuff that we accumulate, the things on our arms, the, the houses that we live in. It's about eternity. It's about God's glory. So with verse 14, as we read, the writer presses into this thought. Time is fleeting. But God endures forever. Our lives under these heavens are temporary. There are those that have come before you. There are those that will come after you. And many, many people will never even remember us. But it is the will of God. It is the character of God. It is his purpose expressed in our lives that helps us live for greater time, for eternity. God endures forever beyond our bad day at work and beyond the entanglement of our divorce, beyond the Cubs winning the World Series. God <laughs> endures. You get the point, right? So let me remind you of this truth today. Time is fleeting, but God is eternal. So let's make the most of it. So how do I respond to this today? I mean, how do we take all this in? Okay, I get it, Danny. Life's eternal. You know, there's so much more than just the here and now. How do I begin to have this perspective? Let me just give you a couple things that they're not going to be on the screen, but if you want, you want to begin to you want to begin to leverage into more of an eternal perspective. I think there are a few things that we could probably start to apply every day in our life and it would change the way we look at the world around us. First and foremost, let me say this. Love must be our priority. It must be number one. Scripture encourages us. Jesus tells us. Jesus embodies this. That the greatest thing we can do with our lives is leverage it all in our love for God. And that it is connected, our love for God being expressed in the way that we love the world around us. If there is anything that can help us have a perspective beyond ourselves, it is to learn to love like God loves. To love with a self-giving, self-sacrificing sense. Second of all, I think we need to give life our all. We need to give life our all. Truth of the matter is, some of us spend our lives sitting on the bench waiting for somebody else to make our life happen. We do. Sometimes it's in a job. 
Sometimes it's in a relationship. Sometimes it's in a hope or a dream. Sometimes it's in an act of obedience, something that we know we need to change, but we just, we keep waiting for somebody else to, to find a cure, to make a way, to, to make it easier so that we don't have to go so hard. Can I just tell you? Give life our all. We need to. Colossians 3.17 reminds us that whatever we do, whether in word or deed, that we do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father that all that we're a part of is not just for us. It's not just for the time that you have right now. It's for God. And so our life, our moments, our relationships, our circumstances are actually opportunities for us to leverage in the here and now what it looks like for the people to see God at work in the, in the world around us. So give it your all. Whatever you do, do it as if you're doing it for God. But third, I think this is as part of the solution. You must seize the day that is before you. You must seize the day that's before you. You can't spend your life waiting for tomorrow. I love what the book of Ephesians says, chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. It says this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Ephesians 5 is a, is a chapter in scripture that is trying to define the difference between the people who know God and people who don't know God. And the author is trying to say, Here, here's the reality. You only have this time right now. And you can either keep up with the Joneses or you can try and keep up with Jesus. And the world is radically different. And if you're looking for the sources around you to point you to full lived life, it's nothing in compared to the life that Jesus came to give you, abundant and full. Now, practically, what does this look like? I mean, how, how does this play out? Well, I'll just, I'll just use my life for a moment, not because it's perfect, but because I, I try and live this out. And I just want to give you something tangible. Practically what this looks like in my community, I, uh, I try and prioritize time in my life where I get to serve those who are in need or those who are hurting. So I, I partner with Salt and Light, uh, a ministry that our church partners with. And almost every Friday, I go and I give my time to serve, to volunteer, to try and spend some way that I'm pouring my life into someone else, something else beyond me. I think at home it looks like this. It's my job to pour my life into my wife so that she has the best life possible. Now, some of you are like, hey, I like that. I hope, I bet he buys a lot of shoes for his wife. No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't hand out the credit card. <laughs> I don't line her up for weekly pedicures. I pour my life into my wife. I encourage her, I support her, I say I'm sorry, I admit when I'm wrong, I do the things that Jesus would do. No, well, he's never wrong, but that's a, that's a different discussion. But I pour my life into my children. I serve them. I sit with them when they're upset. I laugh with them when they're happy. I, I spend time talking about their life. I endure the things that they endure. I embrace the things that they embrace. I try and treat their friends as family. I try and know them for who they are. But what about the church? See, most times we, 
we think about outside service or charity and we think sometimes about our families or hopefully we think a lot about our families. But the church, we call it apprenticeship is what we use around here. Oftentimes what we're talking about is every one of us who serve, every one of us who lead, everyone who have a responsibility, whether it's in the children's ministry or we're a greeter or we're somebody helping in the parking lot or we're somebody who shows up throughout the week to vacuum or clean a toilet or whatever, every one of us are called to pour our lives into someone else. Why? Because there's so much beyond us. And so every role that is a service opportunity in this church is a reproducible role within the church. That's why sometimes people will say, well, what, what, Danny, what, how come you're not always preaching here? And I, I try and tell them it's because if I preached here every week, I'd dehydrate from all the sweat that comes out of me and I have to replenish my, no, not really. Because our ministry is not about a person. It's about the people of God. That's why I love it when our worship team leads and we have staff to do what we do, but the truth be known, we could pull the staff off stage and church could be led beyond our staff. We've got people who are being raised up, being apprenticed to be the next worship leaders, the next teachers, the next communicators, the next children's pastors, the people who are going to begin to oversee multiple locations as we go out. And so every one of us, whether we are standing at a beginning point of service or whether we've been in service for years or whether we have mastered the service that we're a part of, should be pouring our lives into someone else. And if as a church, if we're not pouring our lives into somebody else to replace us, well, when we're done, so is it, right? So think about this, friends. What if every community group leader took an apprentice this fall? What if every children's worker invited the friend next to him and said, hey, why don't you come serve with me? Why don't, you, why don't, you, why don't we all get a perspective of what life is beyond us? What if we began to pour our lives into each other and began to see the ripple effect that when, when we serve, when we leverage our lives and we let people be a part of that and begin to experience that same leveraging of their lives, you know what happens? It begins to create a movement of people and then instead of just thinking about God and these four walls and the people of this location, we start thinking about our coworkers and our friends and the kid who lives down the street and the family that's in need and the people who might be engaged, people who, who have never even heard about Jesus, we begin to say, this is a place for you. And when we pour our lives out, they begin to be a part of the movement and Jesus begins to transform all of us and a community lives well beyond this moment in time begins to be shaped into all of eternity. It's pouring our lives into each other as, as couples. That's why couples sit up late at night. They talk to each other about their dreams. That's why parents take their kids to batting cages and keep dropping in the money that it takes or take them out to fish and help them figure out dating so they can find out who God created them to be. It's time invested. It's time leveraged. But all of it is for the glory of God. Now let's move to our, uh, let's move to our time of response. We began to talk about this last week about how the ancient Hebrews looked at time here and now 
without the grand perspective of what eternity might bring. And that in the days of Abraham and Moses and Rahab and Esther, that what they longed for was a Messiah, one who would return, the Savior of the world, and would reestablish the world in the here and now. Now, for many of them, they, they didn't have the long view of what having a Messiah really meant. That yes, this Messiah would come in and usher in a new kingdom, a new set of values, a new way of living, and it would begin to restore and transform everything about our world in the day and now, but it was also for eternity. Now, this is what's beautiful for us. Is as Christ followers, we're privileged to know our Messiah. We know that Jesus came and fulfilled all that was written in the First Testament, the Old Testament. That Jesus came and gave of his life so that we might have the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. We know that that death, that burial, that resurrection not only secured that for us, but now crescendos into all of eternity where time and relationships, situations and circumstances are all coming together where God is at work for his glory and his honor for all of eternity. And Jesus, Jesus is not just the king for today. He's the king forever. How much confidence should that give us? How much encouragement should that give us? That no matter what we're enduring today or embracing today, whether it passes or whether it stays, God is at work and eventually we will experience all of eternity in his will, in his world, for his glory, for his honor. It leads us to a time right now where maybe we go, okay, so, so what is it I need to seize about today? Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's an apology. Maybe it's a life-changing decision. When we think about giving life our all, maybe we need to sit down and say, okay, God, you know, I have held back from you. I've been coasting. Um, maybe when you think about your life and you think about love, you know, you know what, I'm, I'm good to love the person next to me. It's the person next to the person next to me that I have a hard time with. And God says, learn to love me with all that I am so that you can love others as I love you. If you're a guest with us today, I want to I kind of let you know how the rest of this service will go today because we, we do things different than probably most churches that you've been a part of. We're gonna to begin to sing some songs and we're gonna celebrate who God is and then we're gonna move spontaneously when we choose to respond to what God is doing in us and through us in this moment. The reason we move is because we think it's more memorable. We think it, it breaks us from the routine of the day and we have a chance to respond and give back to God. And so you'll see benches up here and there will be people who come and pray and you may see many people lined up, some giving a word of thanks, some asking for forgiveness, some just asking to catch their breath. We want to invite you to use this time to come and pray. And if you're like, oh, I don't want to go up front, that's okay. You can walk to the back and walk to a side, kneel where you are, whatever you want, but take this time to respond in prayer. We also have tables that are set up 
around the room, and you can go to the one that's closest to you. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, those of us who understand the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who have given our lives back to God, we, we come to eat this bread and drink this juice because it reminds us of his broken body and his shed blood. And as we consume it, there's a celebration in our hearts. There's a party in our mind that when we gave our life back to Christ, all of heaven celebrated because of the work of what God's doing in us and through us. Come, eat the bread, drink the juice, and put the cup and the container in the middle. And then there are those of us that will respond in, a, in an act of decision. You have your connection cards that are actually in the backside of your seats, and you can write. Maybe there's a, a faith decision or a faith question, or maybe there's a, something that you want us to pray about. We want to encourage you to take those connection cards and place them in one of the response boxes that's around the room. They can also be used for our tithes and offerings, but many of us use the app, the description that's on our program to, to respond to God in that moment. But everything of our lives, everything of our lives is a gift from God. And when we measure it in the opportunity of time, we must be reminded that what is happening right now is a moment that must be seized. It must be leveraged. Because God's at work in our lives. And how we live and how we respond, it echoes not only into the relationships around us, but it impacts eternity. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want to go ahead and ask you to stand, if you would. And I want to pray for us that God would give us the boldness, the encouragement, the confronting challenge to be transformed. That like clay in a potter's hand, we would be shaped to his character and not our own. And that we might respond not to the preferences of our life, but to the very passions of God. Let's pray. God, meet us in this moment. As we breathe, we breathe in you. You are the very life that we breathe. And God, we, we have experienced life on our own, and it's, it's a challenge. Whether it's life on our own as an individual, whether it's a life on our own as a couple or as a family, God, life without you is overwhelming. And God, we convince ourselves that we're, we're doing better than most. We're still standing. We're enduring. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. God, every time I lean into you, I'm reminded that the better I become at surrendering to you, the better I become at laying down my will for yours, the better I become at humbling my life before you, that how light your yoke is, that you come alongside us and you carry our burdens and you sustain us when we could do no more. So God, in this moment, would you soften our hearts? Would you clear our minds? Would you raise our heads to have a perspective of you? And would you move our feet to the changes that we need to make? God, we love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's sing.